Welcome to the podcast for Sunday, October 18th, 2015. May God use this as a blessing to you today. Let us pray. O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A few years ago, the online video rental entity Netflix started a series of radio ads that were couched as Jeopardy-style question and answers between two people, but with one difference. Here are some of the actual commercial scripts. See if you can see what it is that connects them together. Question. If a triangle is happy and a square is sad, what is a rectangle? Uh, disappointed? Correct! What is the inverse of January 12th? Mm, September 22nd at 9 p.m. Eastern? Correct! If pie is in the sky, where's cake? I'd have to say in a distant meadow. Correct! If a rhombus has four sides, what is the inverse of blue? Purple. Correct! Couple more. I'm sure you probably figured it out by now, right? If an apple a day keeps the doctor away, what does a pear do? Uh, prevents hard feelings? Correct! And if I'm your uncle's cousin's nephew, who am I? Michael's mother? Correct! So, you get it, right? You see the pattern? The one thing that all of these questions have in common, of course, is that they have no connection at all. They're random, non-sequitur connections. Have you ever felt as though your life was sometimes like that? Just random, seemingly non-connected events that they didn't really move anywhere? You just were kind of moving from scene to unrelated scene? Author Donald Miller has felt like that. In 2003, Miller wrote the book Blue Like Jazz, a collection of essays on spirituality and everyday life. Two years later, it hit the New York Times bestseller list, and it stayed there for over 40 weeks. But then, well, his life seemed to stall. During what should have been the height of his success, he found himself unwilling to get out of bed, avoiding responsibility, even questioning the meaning of life. And that's when something unexpected happened. Let's listen to Don himself as he explains what transpired. And uh, I got a call about that time from some filmmakers, uh, a director, and he called and said, man, we'd love, to, we'd love to make a movie out of your book. And the book they were talking about was a memoir, but it was really a series of random essays about topics, you know, and I kind of thought, I don't know how you're going to make a movie out of that. I mean, it's, it's got cartoons in it. Maybe we could do that. And they said, well, let us fly to town and talk to you. And so they came in, and we kind of sat down, and we talked. And he said, you know, we, we really want to do this, and we think it's a great idea. And, and uh, uh, we would have to change some things because there, is really, there isn't really a story in the book. So we would sort of take some creative license. And, and what do you think about that? And I said, um, I said, well, you know, due to artistic integrity, which is a phrase that I heard somebody say on national public radio. I wasn't sure what it meant. but I thought I would use it. Uh, Due to artistic integrity, I'm going to have to say no. To which they said, uh, we'll pay you. And to which I said, okay, let's do it. (laughs) Hold on, let me pray about it real quick. Yeah, 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 we're in. We're good. (laughs) God has changed his mind. So we started. We started storyboarding, if you will, this this 
how we're gonna turn this book into a movie. And, and they would come out for a week at a time and I'd go out to, to we'd meet in Tennessee and get in a cabin, you know, we'd ride for a week at a time. You know, the first session uh, went very interestingly. Uh, we, we were staring at this blank whiteboard. We said, well, you know, what is, uh, what is, why should we like Don was the first question, you know? And somebody said, well, maybe he works in a factory and we always like the blue collar guy. Yeah, that's good. Let's put that up there, you know? And I'm thinking, I never worked in a factory. <laughs> you know, and then we started some other stuff and, and, and pretty much nothing that we were saying was true at all. So I kind of stopped us and I said, you know, what's wrong with the Don in the book? <laughs> this is a very personal question for me. <laughs> and uh, Steve, the more diplomatic of the two guys who were there, uh, just said, well, you know, we really want to take this series of essays. We want to turn it into a story, so we're going to have to use creativity here, and we just want to be able to make some highs and lows and punch it. And then Ben uh, interrupted and said, what Steve is trying to say is that your life is very boring. <laughs> but I think they were right. But what was interesting is that they were trying to take the elements of my life, which weren't making any sense anymore, and they were trying to take the experiences and arrange them in such a way that they made sense. I mean, they were trying to take noise, and they were trying to make music with the noise. Now, here's what occurred to me in this process. We're trying to do this fictionally on a whiteboard with the true elements of my life. Why not do them with my actual life and begin to make sense with my actual life? What I'm talking about is the power of story. The power of story. That's what this new four-week sermon series is about. But not just any story, not just classic stories or religious stories or even Disney stories. We're going to be looking at our stories, your story and my story. And you know what? Each of our stories is different. Over the course of this series, we'll be looking at how the elements of creating a good story can be adapted to help us write a better story with our lives here and now. Don Miller's book, A Million Miles in a Thousand Years, is the result of this journey that he took with this movie series. The subtitle of the book is, What I Learned While Editing My Life. And we'll begin using his insights about story and life and faith, along with passages from Scripture. We're going to be following Moses in his story uh, to help each of us live a better story. In his book, Don talks about going to his uncle's funeral and how he celebrated his uncle's life. He writes, My uncle told a good story with his life, but I think there was such a sadness at his funeral because his story wasn't finished. If you aren't telling a good story, nobody thinks you died too soon. They just think you died. But my uncle died too soon. Can anyone relate to that with people you know? Shortly after I arrived here at, as pastor of Palmdale, uh, we celebrated the life of Burl Henderson. Burl was, as they say on the East Coast, a piece of work. Most of you know so much more about her than I did. She enlisted as a U.S. Marine during World War II. How many women can say that? Especially back in the day. She loved to cook and clean and care for her home. She was always punctual and expected that out of others. Her incredible determination and discipline enabled her to have shoulder surgery at the age of 88 and surprised her doctor for making a complete recovery. They said that uh, 
he made her the, the poster child for seniors and surgery after that. But above all else, her faith was the bedrock of her life. Burl lived a good story. 95 years. And you might even say that she died too soon at 95 years because she still had a whole lot going in, her, in the story of her life. Not everyone can say that. Now, only God knows when each of us will die, and that's largely beyond our control. But with what is within our control is how we choose to live. What we do, the choices we make, the actions we take, the relationships we foster. We want to be able to tell good stories with our lives. And so that's what we're going to be working on for the next month or so. In my preparation for this series, I discovered a book on Amazon called Story by Robert McKee. The subtitle is Substance, Structure, Style, and the Principles of Screenwriting. I picked it up because a reviewer said how essential it was to any good storyteller. Well, it turns out that not only did Don Miller reference McKee's book in his book, A Million Miles, but he even went with a friend and took McKee's 36-hour seminar on story. It happens here in, in California. It was here that Miller discovered the basics of story. So, story is a character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. Good stories don't happen by accident. They're well-planned. And using story is one of the the, the very uh, wonderful and practical and powerful ways to teach someone else. God is a master storyteller. The Bible is full of story after story. Jesus used stories when he taught parables all the time, telling stories, and people were attracted to him by the droves. See, we are wired to connect with good stories. Here at Palmdale, uh, we just finished a sermon series called The Grand Sweep, and we were looking at the, at the big picture of Scripture, right? What, what is the Bible trying to say from Genesis to Revelation? What were the storylines that ran through the 66 books of the Bible? How did those individual stories uh, found within individual books fit together in a larger picture? And one of the key themes that we discovered is that God loves the world and is seeking to redeem us. Steve Taylor, the director of Don's movie, Blue Like Jazz, says, Story is just life without the meaningless scenes. I love that. Story is life without the meaningless scenes. If that's true, then it should be possible to live life more intentionally, to avoid those meaningless scenes, those non-sequitur random events that sometimes tend to plague us. McKee teaches there are four basic elements to a story. You have to have a lead character, a hero or heroine. Sometimes stories have what's called a group protagonist. There's an objective. The character has to want something. There must be conflict. Hard things have to happen or the story just won't make sense. And we'll talk more about this in a few weeks. And then there needs to be some kind of resolution. The story has to wrap up somehow. And so these are the elements that we're going to be looking at each week as we go through the various Sundays in this series. Now, make no mistake, people need story to live. We need a role to play. It's the way that we're wired by God. In his book, A Million Miles in a Thousand Years, Don Miller tells us about his friend Jason. Jason had a 13-year-old daughter. Jason told Don that they had found marijuana in their daughter's closet, and at 13 years of age, she was dating a guy who was... As the dad said, smelled like smoke and only answered questions with single words like, yeah, no, 
whatever, and why. He would say, have her home by 10, and the boyfriend would respond, why? And so they tried grounding her, forbidding her to see this guy, but nothing seemed to work. In fact, it just seemed to make things even worse. Don was just back from that Robert McKee storytelling seminar, so he mentioned to Jason that maybe his daughter was simply living out a terrible story. Now, remembering that by definition, story is a character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. Jason said that night he couldn't sleep. He thought about the story that his daughter was living and the role she was playing inside that story, and he realized that he hadn't provided a better role for his, her da- their daughter. He hadn't mapped out a story for his family. And so his daughter had chosen another story, a story in which she was wanted even if she was only being used. And listen to this. In the absence of a family story, she had chosen a story in which there was risk and adventure, rebellion and independence. And Jason said, she's not a bad girl, Don. She was just choosing the best story that was available, available to her. Well, a couple months later, he said everything changed. Jason decided to stop yelling at his daughter and instead to create a better story for her to live into. He knew a good story would have to involve risk, so he and his wife took out a second mortgage on their home, and with the help of a Christian organization, they set out to build an orphanage in Mexico with their own money. And they were quite shocked at first, Jason's daughter was, but eventually she embraced this family's endeavor wholeheartedly, and her entire life changed. Suddenly she had a vision and a purpose for her life, and Jason told Don that she even dumped her old boyfriend Because, he said, no girl who plays the role of a hero dates a guy who uses her. She knows who she is. She just forgot for a little while. Mm. So the first component of any good story, then, is a lead character. Many of you have asked how we're doing adjusting to life in the Antelope Valley, having come from many, many years living in Hawaii. Well, the short answer is we are doing fine. Thank you very much. Uh, Actually, more than fine. We love living here, and we feel completely welcomed and embraced by this community. Now, sure, I won't find many beaches or rainforests or majestic waterfalls (laughs) here in the high desert. Maybe a few Joshua trees. But there are many other types of beauty that, in the three short months we've been here, I've been able to witness and photograph, as you can see. I'm a mountains guy, and as much as I love the water and the ocean, I love mountains and rock formations even more. But to honestly answer the question, how are we doing, Jody and I, adjusting to life here, we have to take a couple steps back and explain the bigger picture. Even before the day I received a call from Reverend Cedric Bridgeforth, who was the North District Superintendent, uh, Jody and I were talking about where our future together might be headed. Not our future as husband and wife, but our future as a pastor's family. We didn't know for sure that a change of church settings was imminent, but in a denomination where pastors are given one year at a time, I knew that after 15 years at our church in IAEA, well, our time was probably fairly limited. When faced with the prospects of moving to California, Joey and I had a couple of options. We could fight it, we could argue that Hawaii is our home, we have family here, we need to stay here. But we knew with our youngest graduating from high school and 
heading off to college in Texas, and our oldest starting his senior year in college at Illinois, it was a good time for us to start the next chapter of our story. So we intentionally decided to embrace this journey and where it was leading and to be the lead characters in the story that was unfolding. So though we love Hawaii very deeply, we are not looking back, wishing things could be what they had been like for the last 21 years. We're open to wherever God is leading us in this new endeavor. Life is staggering, Don Miller writes, and we're just used to it. We're all like spoiled children, no longer impressed with the gifts we're given. It's just another sunset, just another rainstorm moving in the mountains, just another child being born, just another funeral. Don said that as they were writing characters into the screenplay of their movie, he felt the way he thinks God feels when God writes the stories of the world with planets and people and opportunities all around. He imagined God saying to each of us, enjoy your place in my story. The beauty of it means that you matter and you can create within it even as I have created you. Are we content to simply lead safe lives? And I mean that in the worst sense of the word as well. Unremarkable lives, mundane, routine lives, or might be God calling us to something more, something bigger than ourselves. And it doesn't have to be moving to a completely different state and starting a whole new life somewhere exotic like Palmdale. No, if the point of life is the same as the point of a story, then the point of life should be character transformation. Character transformation. Life itself should change us so that we move from being one kind of person to another. In storytelling terms, it's all about the character arc, the change that a lead character goes through in the course of his or her story. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, said that the role of Christians is to be moving on to perfection, to be changing in our lives, that we become more and more like Jesus. This lifetime journey that all of us are on to become who God created us to be. Now, think about the characters that you genuinely like in your favorite movies or television series. They're usually not perfect people, are they? No. The best characters, the ones that we are most drawn towards, are the ones who are like us. They're imperfect and they're flawed. But the defining line between making a character a hero or a villain is this. A hero will never think of him or herself better than anyone else, but the villain always does. Hmm. That's it. A hero will never think of him or herself as better than anyone else because humility is a powerful influence on our character, friends. In our scripture reading for today, we're introduced to the character of Moses. Moses grew up at a time when it wasn't, well, it wasn't beneficial being a Hebrew in Egypt. He grew up when his people were uh, slaves. Many generations after his great ancestor Joseph had carved out a place for the Hebrew people there, times had changed. And He was supposed to be drowned at his birth, but Moses survived not only because of a midwife who delivered him, uh, but because his parents chose to act courageously in the face of opposition and oppression. Moses was raised in the household of the Pharaoh of Egypt, the one who had commanded the death of all the Hebrew baby boys. 
And one day, as a young adult, Moses saw one of his fellow Hebrews being abused by an Egyptian. And in his effort to help his fellow countrymen, he ended up killing the Egyptian. Well, word spread quickly. Moses chose to flee to the hills, to run away and hide out in the high desert, if you will. And to start life over. That's just what he did. He went up there for 40 years. It says he he got married. He had kids. And he settled into the life of a shepherd. And that was good enough for Moses. But not good enough for God. God had a different plan for Moses' story. So one day while he was out with his flock, Moses saw a peculiar sight. This bush caught on fire, but it wasn't burning up like the flames are coming out, but it wasn't turning into ashes and, 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 and sort of burning away in front of him. So he stepped closer. He took a little deeper look, and that's when it happened. Exodus 3 verse 4. When God saw that Moses turned aside to see... God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then God said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And it's here that God invites Moses into a story that's greater than the one he was currently living. He invites him to live out a better character than the one he had been. And what did it take? It took him to stop and look closer at what was happening, not just go through life on autopilot and, oh, there's that, there's that. As he turned aside to see, God spoke. And he became a character with a clear objective who will definitely have to persevere through conflict to get what God is calling him to. And we'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. Robert McKee puts it very simply. Character is what he or she does. It's not enough to know what a person thinks or feels or believes. Character is revealed through our actions. McKee writes, true character is revealed in those choices a human being makes under pressure. The greater the pressure, the deeper the revelation, the truer the choice to the character's essential nature. He didn't know it at the time, but Moses would be challenged by God to make a series of choices that would result in a series of actions that would come to radically reshape who he was as a person. What we do, friends, matters. The choices we make, the actions we take, define us as people. And the master storyteller wants to lead us like he did with Moses so that we might make choices and take actions that have significance. Because we're part of a bigger story, the story of God's love and grace and the redemption and salvation of the world. Author Shana Nequist, you've heard me talk about her in the last few weeks, in her book, Bittersweet, writes this. There is nothing small or inconsequential about our stories. There is, in fact, nothing bigger. And when we tell the truth about our lives, the broken parts, the secret parts, the beautiful parts, the gospel comes to life, an actual story about redemption instead of abstraction and theory and the things that you learned in Sunday school. Because we don't want to be living random, non-sequitur lives. We want to be the people who choose to live out good stories because life means so much. Let's not let it go to waste. So I look forward to exploring more of this together in the weeks to come. Thanks be to God for the stories of our life. Amen.